about to do? We're about to get real. We're about to have conversations that Christians have behind closed doors. The scary ones. The ones that make you feel uncomfortable. That's where we're going. Why? Because we're family. Ustedes son mi familia. So this is the Brian and Janelle podcast. She's Janelle and I'm Brian. If you don't want to miss anything, all you have to do is just hit that subscribe button to get a notification whenever we drop a new episode. This is the Brian and Janelle podcast. Moody Radio Cleveland welcoming our friend Ray Rhodes. He's a founding pastor of Grace Community Church in Georgia and also president of Nourished in the Word Ministries. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Janelle. Great to be with you this morning. Yeah, so nice to be with you. Ron was already Mm -hmm. surprised that Charles Spurgeon sounded so normal, married to a wife named Susie. (laughs) And first, I wanted to ask, what got you into studying not just Charles Spurgeon, but his marriage in particular? Yeah, well, I think a lot of us know something about Charles Spurgeon. Uh, I have for much of my adult life, at least. But uh, many of us really didn't know much about Susie Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I w- a few years ago, I got interested in learning more about Spurgeon's marriage and especially the, their spirituality, their, how the Bible and prayer and those sorts of things framed their, their marriage and was the foundation of that. And uh, the more I started digging, the more I learned about this fascinating woman that's uh, pretty much unknown to history. One small biography of Susie in 1903, and that's been it, except for an article or two. And as I discovered her, I, of course, got into their marriage. She wrote a lot about their marriage in the autobiography of Charles Spurgeon that she actually co-edited and after he died. Uh, so it's really a, it's not technically an autobiography, it's called that, Yeah. but she helped pull it together and tell the story, and it's a wonderful, wonderful story. As we learn more about them, first about Susie, this morning we talked about pastor's wives and how we assume that, like, that's their calling, to be a pastor's wife. <laughs> and what, what is it, what about Susie was, in terms of her calling, um, independent of Charles? What was she into, and, and what were her hobbies, or did she have a job? She didn't have a job as far as uh, in the workplace or anything like that, but uh, she really did not see herself as independent from him. Uh, That that was her her frame of reference. She loved pouring her life into what he was up to. And and even after he died, she gave the remaining years of her life to uh, extending his legacy. Mm -hmm. Now, that said, she did many things uh, herself. She wrote five standalone books. As I mentioned, she co-edited this massive autobiography of Spurgeon. She contributed articles to his magazine. She actually, after uh, he died, helped to plant a church. And she's an elderly, afflicted widow, and she's out there helping to <laughs> raise the funds to plant a new church. So yeah. she's, she is very, very active throughout. What have you found in your research that would surprise most of us about them? One of the things that surprises me about Spurgeon is how he is still both enduring and endearing today. I, I thought about that yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are lots of Christian heroes that we know about and we study about, 
But just social media, for example, every single day, not one time, not ten times, but I think thousands of times every day, Charles Spurgeon is mentioned on social media. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's, that's astonishing to me how he is still endearing to people from a, a variety of perspectives. Uh, and so he lives on and his marriage lives on. And one of the things that fascinates me about Charles and Susie is we tend to so elevate the giants of the past that we don't see them as uh, touching the ground, touching the earth, being uh, being frail children of dust, as we all are. Uh, But they're real. And that's one of the things I wanted to accomplish in the book is to say, you know what, Charles and Spurgeon, Charles and Susie, they had an extraordinary life, uh, just off the charts, Mm -hmm. amazing and yet they're very real people. Uh, they suffered, they cried, they dealt with sickness and controversy and parenting issues and death and all the, all the rest. And they, they, they were not made of steel. Yeah. They were made of flesh. Ray, you mentioned some of the challenges they experienced, and one of them was major health concerns. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, about uh, 10 or 11 years into their marriage, Susie's, uh, Susie was afflicted. Uh, they, they had children the first year of their marriage, twins, never able to have children again, and she had surgery in late 1868 mm. by the most famed gynecologist of the day. So that kind of gives us a clue as to sort of the sort of challenges that she faced. Yeah. And though the surgery may have relieved pain to some extent, she was essentially an invalid for much of the rest of their marriage. She did get better later on. So she had her own health problems that really kept her confined at home. Spurgeon uh, also developed various health issues uh, from kidney disease to gout and, and other things. And the sort of care he needed was away from home. His doctors uh, ultimately said, you've got to get to warmer weather in the wintertime, and he would travel to the south of France. So she was confined to home. He had to leave home. And so, you know, that really compounded their challenges. Not only did they face sickness, but they faced a lot of separation as well. Uh, and that's just one of the numerous, I mean, we could go through the Spurgeon story, and there are just numerous challenges that they encountered. What can we learn from the way they navigated those? Because a lot of couples listening now are navigating through major health challenges, and a lot, a lot of them don't make it. So what can we learn from them the way they handle those? Yeah, they, they didn't pull back from the Lord or one another. They pressed into Christ. Uh, I mean, they, they were Christ-centered in all that they did. And uh, they prayed. Uh, they were people of the Word. Both of them read the Word. Susie read through the Scripture every year. Uh, they, didn't, uh, they didn't let go of their relationship with one another. Uh, they communicated. You know, one of the amazing things about Spurgeon is how many letters he wrote. Upward to 500 letters a week at times. Mm. Wow! And wow. can you? Yeah, that's right. I, I hear oh you in the background goodness. there, Brian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. And he and he wrote his wife every day. Yeah. Every day that he was traveling, and he traveled a lot. Uh, so, you know, I'm not sure I actually email my wife or text my wife right. uh, <laughs> every every day. But he's he's taking a dip pen. That's the, that was his preferred way to write a dip yeah. pen, putting it to paper, writing a letter and sending it off to her every day. So that's one of the ways that they stayed close in the midst of hard times. You say that Susie wrote a lot about her marriage. Uh, Do you remember any thoughts or anything she would talk about in terms of the way they connected as they were apart so much time? 
Yeah, you know, in in the Victorian era, some of these you know stories would have been concealed, but uh, Susie tended to press the envelope a little bit mm-hmm. about marriage and and uh, in the autobiography, and she recognizes some would might criticize her. She writes about that, but she wanted the, the more of the story told. And Spurgeon himself said, "You can write my life across the sky. I have nothing to hide." And what a what a life of integrity! Oh, yeah. There was no like skeletons in the closet. He was afraid of coming out. <laughs> he was not a perfect man, but uh, she wrote uh, uh, about how be- how tender he was, how he beloved he was. Uh, she she wrote about how precious his letters were to her. Uh, it, it's just uh, he he would write back to her uh, things like every word I write is a pleasure to me as much as it ever can be to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the kind of things that they would say to one another. Or every year cast another anchor to hold me even more firmly to you. Uh, my heart is in your keeping. He said he daydreamed of her. He wrote her notes. I'm daydreaming of you <laughs> as wow. I'm driving along. And it's wow. amazing because we think of Spurgeon as this massive figure. And he was massive in more than one way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, <Yeah>. he was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was this great author. He th- uh, 6,000 people, t- uh, 10,000 people every Sunday, you know, yeah. morning and night services together. Everywhere he went, he was this celebrity figure. Uh, incredible productivity and yet, at, at his heart of hearts, he was a man who loved his wife and loved spending time with her. And they wrote the most beautiful and tender uh, letters and communicated so tenderly with yeah. each other. Yeah. In addition to their health challenges, they also went through uh, what you're, what what's called Surrey Gardens Music Hall disaster. I know it's new <laughs> to many people, including me. Can you tell us about what happened then? Yeah, this is the first year of their marriage, uh, and it's a great tragedy. Spurgeon's fame is just off the charts. He's still a very young man uh, as well. He's early 20s at that point, 1856. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so the church building is not uh, – it won't accommodate the thousands of people that want to hear him. And so the church leaders determine they're going to rent other facilities for at least one of the services on the Sundays. And one of those places was this music hall that held about 10,000 people. Okay. So Spurgeon, Spurgeon's coming in on this uh, October evening in 1856, and he sees just thousands of people outside of this building. He goes inside of the building, and it's a capacity. There's 10,000 people outside, 10,000 people on, uh, on wow. the inside. He, start, he, he can't really even see all this happening there, but he starts the service, and someone or a group of someone's it coordinated, it seems, started yelling, fire, fire, the galleries are falling. Mm. And uh, it was not true. They were mischief makers, and people panicked. And they started rushing for the doors. Uh, Seven people were trampled to death. Uh, There's horrific stories of, uh, for one example, a woman nine months pregnant. Uh, They tried to do an emergency C-section in a very rough fashion, just trying to get the baby out, trying to save her life. It didn't work, of course. I mean, those are the kind of stories. People are leaping from the balcony, and Spurgeon collapses, and he almost quits the ministry uh, uh, as a result of that. The papers were just brutal about Mm. uh, why he's preaching to such a crowd in such a building, and all sorts of things happen. But two weeks later, uh, I mean, he goes into a deep depression. Two weeks later, he's preaching again in his church, and four weeks later, he's actually preaching again 
in this music hall. It's an astounding story of God's grace and providence through, and he never got over that. That's one of the things that maybe people don't know about Spurgeon, yeah. is that he did suffer with depression prior to that. But after that, he his seasons of depression could be very dark and difficult, and he it left a scar on him that he never quite recovered from. Oh wow! But even though he didn't recover, um, you say there's still lessons that preachers today can learn from his experience of this trauma. Yeah, that's right. And and part of it is, uh, you know, as he fell into this time of despair, he he's sort of carted away to the home of a deacon mm-hmm. and there he's resting and he's, he's and Susie comes to join him there with their two children their twins and he's continuing to do the thing that God always uses to change and bless and help his people he's meditating on the scripture and he comes to a passage in Philippians and that's the passage the Lord used to just open his heart and comfort him and Susie's at his side, and they begin rejoicing in the Lord together. So it's the normal means that God always uses that we need to cling to in hard times. They looked to Christ, they stayed in the Word of God, they were faithful in prayer, and they stayed connected to each other. They pressed through that. Now, and I don't want to paint a picture of Spurgeon as this gloomy guy. He was yeah. not. Uh, in fact, his friend said he was the most joyful, happy guy. He, he would have an entire room laughing. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, you know, there's this sort of these two pictures of Spurgeon that he didn't like his depression. He didn't like these dark times. In fact, he thought it was a, uh, his worst quality. And he, so he fought through that. He kept fighting for joy, kept fighting for faith in the midst of that. And the Lord used him and the Lord brought him through that. And so I think for all of us is persevering through faith in Christ, through being anchored in the Word of God and being close in our most intimate relationships. If you want to learn more about Charles Spurgeon and his marriage and even about his ministry, you can get the book Yours Till Heaven by Ray Rhodes, and it's Moody published. And Pastor Rhodes, if people want to learn more about your ministry and even more of your research, where can they connect with you? My website is rayrhodesjr.com, rayrhodesjrp.com, mm-hmm. and, uh, or just uh, through Moody Publishers or suzyspurgeon.com. There's a variety of places to do that. And since we're on Moody Radio, let me just do a shout out to, I, I love the folks at Moody. been such a great relationship and Aww. I'm so thankful for you guys, what you're doing, yeah. helping to get the word out and the folks at the publishing uh, over there as well. Wonderful, wonderful experience. Thank you so much. It's been great to have you on. I've learned so much. You have to get your hands on this book, Yours Till Heaven by Pastor Ray Rhodes Jr. If you want to connect with him and you missed the information, just go to brianandjanelle.org and we'll connect you. Thank you, Ray, for being on. Thank you, Janelle. It's great to be on your show. Have a great day. Hey, hold up. Where are you going? You know you liked your time with us. You want more. So go ahead, look down, hit that button right there and subscribe, and you'll get updated episodes, and then you can hang some more. And guess what? You can help us out. How? A five-star rating. Hello. You can also hang with us live weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Download the Moody Radio mobile app, and you're able to connect with us. Or just go to brianandjanelle.org. And listen, we didn't put all this together all by ourselves. There's some great people behind this production. We want to thank Ron Eastwood, Kelly Ryder, Paul Carter, Mike Reynolds, Alan Perry, and our awesome and fearless leader, Josue Villa. And finally, this podcast is a production of Moody Radio in Cleveland, 
a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.